Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with business and well-being thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. I'm a life coach, speaker, writer, and podcaster too. I am passionate. In fact, I believe that it is my divine assignment to help Generation X women connect with their inner leader, the leader that resides in their emotions, buried by logic and the desire to be good. Logic and being good according to someone else's standards is okay for surviving, but round here, we are in the business of thriving. I use my background in social work, life coach training, and my superpower of loving kindness to help women connect to who they really are so they can expand into themselves fully embrace their leadership qualities and relinquish the chaos that exists within the duality of who we are and who we think we should be. My intention for this podcast is to plant seeds and create aha moments that bring you closer to your centre so that you can start to embrace your 360 degrees wholeheartedly. Right, you lovely lot. Today's intro is not going to be too long because the intro within the actual recording with a person was quite long. And also because today's episode is a bit of a surprise. You will soon find out why. But I have just had the most deep and meaningful conversation with a relationship strategist. We talk about self-abandonment, about self-connection being the antithesis of self-abandonment. We talk about people pleasing. We talk about people trying to get unmet needs and heal um, wounds from childhood in relationships and why that doesn't work. We talk about entering relationships. We talk about long-term relationships. We talk about inner child in relationships. We talk about control within relationships. We had a really rich conversation. I know that you guys are going to gain a lot from it. Whether you think you need to hear a podcast about relationships or not, do listen because this is all about self-connection and how being disconnected from self shows up in our romantic relationships specifically. Guys, enjoy the episode. I will say no more. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to another episode of 360 Conversations. Now, we we need to take a minute right here, right now, because today I'm doing something that I have never done in this podcast. And when I envisaged this podcast, I never imagined that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal. So, For the first time in 360 Conversations and uh, the first episode, the first 360 Conversations episode, I think it was shared in uh, April 2018. 
I think it was April, maybe it was March, but I think it was April. Please don't go back and listen to that episode. I've, I've debated as to whether or not I should delete it, but I just think it is what it is. It's there. We're allowed to start where we start. But anyway, for the first time ever, I'm having a man on this podcast, people. A whole man, a testosterone-filled person. A man. <laughs> An actual full of Y chromosome person. A man. Um... And let me say, I'm really excited to have this man on on the podcast. Um, And when I was, so basically to cut a long story short, I have been doing a lot of work on myself in relation to understanding my divine feminine. What I didn't expect was that as my divine feminine was rising, so too did the divine masculine. And I really started to understand the yin and yang. I talk about harmony quite a lot. I started to understand the harmony of life. Um, And uh, for example, um, I know that we've got, you know, various genders and we're um, open to the various ways, the various expressions of humanity. And that's all good. But I'm talking about the um, what we have grown up and identified as masculine and feminine. So whilst I've been all about the femininity, as I was really delving into it in a meaningful way, I started to realize that some of the things I'm doing or some of the things that I'm being to do, to create, to have, were falling short or not coming into fruition in the way that I wanted and needed them to because there was the absence of the masculinity. So as the divine masculine started to rise up alongside the feminine, the structures, the systems I needed started to come alongside and create a lot more space for the creativity, the nurturing and all the rest of it. I hope that everybody is still with me. So in thinking about that, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm missing something in my podcast, actually, just because my podcast is aimed at people that identify as women, particularly women that are approaching their 40s or in their 40s. Um, It doesn't mean that their needs, wants, curiosity can only be satisfied by other women. And then it dawned on me, there's space for the mandem. And when I started thinking about the man, then I thought, oh my goodness, the first person I want on this show is this person. His name is Victor Granville. If you don't know, get to know. Victor um, operates within the coaching personal development space. But where I first came across Victor, I was hosting a relationships and self-care panel conversation for Inspirational You. Big up Sonia Meggie. And um, Victor was speaking with such holistic, integrated, calm wisdom about love, relationships, self-care, self-ownership within relationships. As soon as I knew that I had to have men on this show, he was the first person I thought of um, because I do believe that he is truly um, holistic. Um, in consuming his his content on social media, particularly, well, Instagram, really, there are lots of posts of his that I've saved because they are the depth that I appreciate. We're not skirting around on the surface. 
So with all of that being said and done, I am going to hand over to Victor, welcome him to the show and uh, take it from there. So Victor, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. (laughs) Welcome to 360 Conversations. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) Tell me what what lovely words, what beautiful words to be the first man on your podcast. That's just amazing. And to, to hear how much you deeply appreciated how I expressed uh, through the work I do. And yeah, it's just a real gift. So uh, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. You, um, you are the gift. Yeah, thank you. And it's such a privilege and honor to be on your podcast and sharing with you and sharing with your audience. I am truly blessed. Thank you for being here. So despite you having quite a a, um, lot of experience in the personal, well, in the personal business development space as a whole, the area that I would like to really concentrate on with you today is uh, relationships. So before we go into all of that, please could you uh, tell my listeners a bit about yourself and what you do, particularly within the relationship space? So what a little bit about myself. Well, um, number one, I I love to sing. (laughs) I love to sing and play guitar. And um, these are things that really make me feel happy. And uh, give me a lot of joy. Um, But definitely in terms of uh, what I do is I I started to have a real, real interest in relationships and how they work because I just couldn't understand. Number one, I'm coming from a dysfunctional family myself and which has a whole lot of fear that I had to work on and move through in order to be um, open and ready for relationships myself and to heal um, any trauma and any um, patterns that were blocking me mm-hmm. and uh, from experiencing uh, great relationships. And, um, and so one of the questions that I had always been on my mind is why is it so difficult um, that I see for men and women to have uh, um, connection with each other that feels good to relate to one another in in a whole way in a wholesome way and so that has been one of my questions on myself and one of my quests that drive me to want to understand the human the human condition the the dynamic between men and women and how to heal that rift that sometimes I see uh, between the sexes so um, so that you know really pushed me into this world of understanding relationships and wanting to share um, from my own experience and from the the, the the wealth of training and expertise that I've developed over the years and to help people move into greater expressions of love towards themselves and to each other and, and to really um, um, to share their love. That for me is the highest experience on this earth is to really be able to share your love with mm-hmm. another person. So thinking about the fact that um, you have come from what you described as a dysfunctional background, how did you recognize that as dysfunction and become curious about, I guess, the things that hold us back from sharing love? Well, it's coming from a a case of constantly um, my own relationships 
not working out in the way that I wanted them to. So I'd always ask myself the question, well, what's going on? Why am I attracting unavailable? Um, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't determine it unavailable at that time, but why would mm-hmm. I be attracting uh, people that, um, that weren't able to, we weren't able to get it off the ground. We was not able to get a meaningful connection off the ground. And it had me question what's going on in my world. And so I had to dive in this, and, you know, because I've been in this personal development world, I, I decided that I'm not feeling happy. I'm not feeling joyful. I'm, I'm feeling anxious at times and feeling fearful. And I wanted to understand what was the root cause of it. What is driving these feelings? And I wanted to move on to the other side of the better states of joy. Yeah. And, and and feeling connected within and whole, and so um, I wanted to understand where it was coming from, and that and that and that's what started my journey as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you say that because um, as I started to become more mature and take more responsibility for myself, a lot of it, well, all of it, came from personal development actually really turning the lens on myself so the work I was doing in social work it just got to a point where I was like I am not functioning in a way that feels good to me and turning that lens on myself I've always known that my background has a lot to do with it and um, this is something that quite a few people from a West African background, I know it's much more common than that, but I would say that quite a few people from a West African background um, have uh, agreed with, um, is that the um, idea of um, sharing love, as you said just now, that that didn't really happen. Um, I didn't really see that happening, not just between my parents, but I didn't see that happening on the wider scale. It's funny, actually, so... I've always had a, a bit of a thing that, um, you know, that Ghanaian, uh, Ghanaians have the um, stereotype of being like the gentle people in West yeah. Africa, all the rest of it. So a friend of mine um, uh, of uh, Ghanaian parentage, her dad was always so nice, so gentle, so calm. So I kind of grew up thinking like, wow, like, I need a a, a Ghanaian man. He's going to be able to provide because that's what I saw. But what I saw within uh, my uh, immediate community, and that wasn't just within, you know, the Sierra Leone community or wider West African communities, but also um, other people. I think maybe because we were in very much living in a survival paradigm and we weren't looking outside that, what I grew up with was... Um, what I would now describe as an emotional profile of um, internalizing, uh, shutting down and withholding. So um, I've got no question whatsoever that my parents loved me, love me, but the two occasions, for example, that I can recall my dad telling me he loved me one the one um occasion he was crying like it, it what I could see through my I think I was about 11 at the time 11 12 what I could see was um these words causing him physical pain he was crying and then um there was another occasion if you were hearing from outside you would have thought he was telling me off the way that he mm-hmm. said it mm-hmm. there was a, there was quite a lot of aggression there mm-hmm. and then there were other things that were happening 
So I grew up seeing that vulnerability was bad. It caused Mm -hmm. um, discomfort. And Mm -hmm. then I saw, um, you know, I've talked before that my parents aren't together. When my mum left my dad, I saw her success grow exponentially. Better job, better house, better car, all of that kind of stuff. Right, right. But it was... I, I didn't understand it at that time, but it was at the expense of intimate emotional connection. So I grew up believing that love is painful vulnerability, that you don't express your needs because it's a burden. So you internalize your needs. You um, don't express them. You um, shut down or you withhold. So as an adult, So as a child, that was an adaptation that served me well in that space. But as an adult, that became a maladaptive behavior. But I couldn't really understand where it came from because it was cumulative and silent. So in relationships, that played out as me having so much to say and so much to offer. But the disruption and chaos caused by that feeling of vulnerability caused me to shut down and withdraw. So men would be like, they never knew where they stood. Uh, I remember one guy saying he felt felt like if he was to walk away tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, and just carry on. Mm-hmm. And on the surface, I would have, but like that swan that looks really smooth and calm, right. underneath there was all kinds of chaos going on that I just could not understand and therefore could not express So with all of that being said, could you please explain some of the other maladaptive ways you see people trying to seek connection and share some wisdom on why and how they manifest? Right. So, you know, and you touched on it in in what you was expressing and where you was coming from in your your childhood. And um, it speaks to this term of self-abandonment. Um, that I worked Wow, sorry, that's so big. Yeah. Self-abandonment. Self-abandonment, absolutely. Because, you know, you come in, we we come into this world, into the family that we're born in or the environments we're born in as a young baby, full of love, the essence of love, just innocent, just just wanting to be loved and to express um, ourselves. And what happens is over time when we come into this family, we learn along the way that sometimes who we are isn't, isn't okay. Something about us, the way we're expressing ourselves, um, we might be too loud, we might be too expressive, we might be, um, there's something about our energy, whatever it is, but we learn that, oh, being the way that I am isn't okay in some way. So therefore, and I, and, you know, I, need, to, I need to find a way because we need to find a way to be loved and feel mm-hmm. safe to avoid pain. So we come up with creative ways, uh, controlling ways, in order to have control over getting the love that we need from those who are responsible for us. And anything that we realize doesn't get us that love or doesn't get us that safety, we discard it, we disown it, we put it away, we hide it. And mm-hmm. then we lose touch with who we really are and become this aspect of ourselves, which I call the wounded self or the uh, ego self, um, that this now becomes who we are in, in, in the world. It, it, it's the part of us that has learned 
um, many false beliefs and absorbed many false beliefs about our worth, our lovability, our safety, and has learned a lot of controlling strategies as to get this love that we're not getting freely and to, and to you know, come up with ways to feel safe. And so that's one aspect of, of how this self-abandonment is formed. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, then the second side of it is, you know, we, as little children, there is so much, there's only so much pain that we can handle in our little bodies. And so um, we would go through experiences in the family home um, growing up and we would feel heartbreak, we would feel heartache, we would feel loneliness, we would feel um, grief. And because these emotions are very big, very big for a small body to handle, we learn to shut down our pain. We learn to avoid our pain. We learn to disconnect from ourselves to feel safe. And also, again, as little children, we're very, we're very absorbent. Uh, we're like a sponge. We mm-hmm. take on and see whatever is being role modeled for us. And since a lot of our parents weren't able to love themselves, weren't able to, because they weren't able to love themselves, weren't, or each other, we didn't see them loving each other in the way that, that each of them needed, they wasn't able to love us in the way that we needed. They weren't able to see their own true essence, their own beauty, their own splendor and wonder, and then they weren't able to see us because they would project their own disconnected view of themselves onto us. And again, this isn't about blame, this is about what we've been role-modeled to us and what we've learned. And so, so with those two dynamics happening, what we as, uh, as children then take on is a lot of learned patterns, a lot of wounded patterns, a lot of false beliefs that we've absorbed about ourselves and we treat ourselves then in the ways in which our parents treated us. This is, this is what we, we learned, the, the, if you like, the maladaptive ways in which mm-hmm. our parents treat themselves become the ways in which we now treat ourselves. Now, the thing is, we needed this. We needed these strategies to survive childhood. We needed these strategies to get through very painful experiences. We needed these strategies that we developed in order to feel safe, to get love, and to avoid pain. Pain that we couldn't handle on our own. But the problem is now, as you, as you rightly said, as adults, if we continue to still use those strategies that we use to survive childhood, then we're, we're going to recreate the set, we're going to recreate a lot of problems for ourselves in our adult relationships mm. because control doesn't work well in intimate relationships. It just doesn't work well. People resist control, mm-hmm. and so um, the different ways people have learned to control based on where they're coming from is just going along, just going along, like you know, just to keep the peace. You know, um, they may have learned that if they speak up and to express what they want, it was met with a lot of retribution, uh, you know, so they learned that let's just go along, uh, or uh, whenever they voiced what they wanted, it was denied, so then they believe their needs don't matter, so mm-hmm. let's just go along. Um, other ways people have learned is to give themselves up. You give up what they want to focus on what other people want, hoping then that they'll turn around and give them what they want, hopefully. Yeah, these are ways in which people um, abandon themselves in a, in relationship. That's the abandonment. See, all the strategies that they learned growing up that they now do today. What they're doing is they're abandoning the little child within them uh, that needs their love and caring. Uh, and then, so another way in which people abandon themselves is they make other people responsible for their sense of okayness. Yeah, make people responsible for them. 
at, for their good feelings, for making them feel okay, for making them feel loved, for making them feel happy, for making them feel special. And, uh, and then, you know, that, that creates a lot of emphasis on the inside, a lot of um, uh, anxiety and fear and depression on the inside because you're saying to that little child that lives within that you're not okay unless someone else is doing A, B, and C for you, and then you're okay rather than you taking responsibility and bringing to yourself that validation and that sense of um, mirroring of how wonderful you are on the inside and, and taking responsibility yourself of meeting your own needs to make yourself feel loved and important. Um, so, that, so, that, so again, so that's two ways of um, uh, how we abandon ourselves today that also affect our relationships. Another mm -hmm. way is... Um, we turn to uh, addictions or addictive processes uh, to avoid our feelings because we're still operating from the belief that we can't manage our painful feelings um, because it was true at the point when we were a child, we couldn't manage our painful feelings. So we had to develop ways in which to avoid them, to numb them out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so today as adults, we can still be doing that. We can still be not attending to our feelings, not attending to our needs, and numbing them out with our addictive processes, substances, or overspending, or watching lots of TV, or um, addicted to sex, addicted mm -hmm. to um, trying to control others to get what we need from them. So these are the ways in which we perpetuate the um, the abandoning behavior as in our adult lives that we we learned when we was growing up, and. And again, it creates a lot of relational problems. Mm -hmm. um, another one is we ignore our feelings, which again is like an addiction. We stay up in our heads, ruminating, thinking, thinking about the past, thinking about the future. And what we're doing is we're, we're not in our bodies when we're in our heads and we're not feeling our feelings. And if you can imagine a real child, if we had a real child and we're just ignoring that real child, um, and just getting on with work and getting busy and doing other things and not really attending to the pain of that child, that child's going to feel alone, uh, rejected, not important, that they don't matter, and it's going to feel anxious, going to feel depressed. And that's what happens on the inner level. Anytime we're in our, in our heads and not in our bodies, feeling our feelings and attending to that, it makes us very needy. It makes us very, uh, uh, it makes us feel very alone and anxious on the inner level. And then one, one big one that we do is the self-judgment. We, we judge ourselves. We judge Victor, ourselves harshly. that mm -hmm. one, so the people that come to work with me, whether it's as in my membership group, whether it is as one-to-one -one coaching or whether it's in a group coaching program, the self-judgment is off the scale. And it often comes in the door as people judging, people, them judging other people. And when you hold that space, because the thing is, a lot of the time we know on a cerebral level, but on a body level, on an emotional level, we are not taking ownership. So when I say things like the judgment you are casting outward is a reflection of what you are radiating. That is how you're judging yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I do an exercise whereby I ask people to describe their judgment. And when they hear out loud 
what they are saying, they are then able to get on board with when I say things like, people write things and say about toxic relationships, toxic people, no one will be more toxic to you, or it's very rare that anybody will be more toxic to you than you are to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking what you, when you were saying, it was like, okay, this man is just inside my head. Mm-hmm. I know that lots of people poke holes in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I'm not saying it's a holy grail, but when we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you talking about people being in their heads and not in their bodies, we love to run to self-actualization, thinking about this, thinking about the future, what we did in the past. Mm -hmm. But those foundational levels, the very basic meeting our very basic needs, we're not doing that. It's not, it's not sexy. It's not adventurous. It can be bloody boring because it is routine. It is repetition, but we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. We're not taking responsibility. Absolutely. And when we're not taking responsibility, we're making others responsible for us, Hmm. uh, for, you know, for all our good feelings. We're making other people responsible for that. Um, Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. So that's self, sorry, you were talking about self-judgment. Yeah, so when, when we judge ourselves um, harshly, um, we're not good enough, we're not enough, we're not lovable, we're undeserving, we're lazy, we're, whatever our judgments are, um, we, we make ourselves feel very unworthy, feel very uh, undeserving. We create, we create anxiety and we create fear on the inner level when we judge ourselves. Because when we're judging ourselves, we can't be loving ourselves at the same time. And so it makes us feel very insecure. And, and as a result of that, it, 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 when we would judge ourselves, then it makes us very needy externally then of other people to approve of us and to validate us because we're not doing it for ourselves. And then if because we're not doing it for ourselves, we go into relationships looking for um, someone to validate us, to uh, make us feel like we're worthy, make us feel like we're enough, because we are creating that through our own self-judgments. And, and that's another way people uh, use relationships to try and get connection, uh, to try and use a relationship to help them connect with themselves. When you don't do that, you, you connect with yourself first yeah. and so that you can connect in a relationship with another person. Um, you, and, and, I, and I call this, when we're not abandoning ourselves, when we are uh, being gentle with ourselves, being kind to ourselves, when we are attending to our needs, our feelings and needs with, with compassion and understanding, when we are stopping the behaviours that create pain and anxiety, then we are filling ourselves up with love. And then when we have love in the inside, then we have love to share with our partners. Um, but when we're not having love in the inside to share because of the ways in which we're treating ourselves and, and talking to ourselves, that makes us uh, needy of love externally. So we're trying to fill up externally uh, through other people uh, behaving in a particular way or saying things that we need to hear so that we can feel like we are loved. It's the difference between going into a relationship to get love mm-hmm. versus uh, going into a relationship, being loving to yourselves and wanting to share your love with somebody. And a lot of people are going into relationships to get love. Um, and that's the problem. Okay, so um, I've got got like 60 billion things going on in my head at once. So going in a relationship to get love is like fueling disconnection from self. Oh, yes. You're you're, you're actually disconnected from self already. 
yeah. So then you're going into that relationship thinking that you are giving love, but what you are doing is what you were talking about in the beginning. You're being controlling, and I'm going to add in the word manipulative. Absolutely. Because you're now projecting what yeah. you need onto yeah. that person, expecting them to meet your needs, but that is not possible because you need to meet those needs. And what I see a lot is that because people haven't taken time to get to know what their needs are, they are setting their partner up for an impossible standard to or an impossible um, task because you then are looking for your partner to meet needs that you haven't even established or understood for yourself. Absolutely. That is absolutely true. So, so you've got to have a level of self-awareness and discovery uh, to know what your needs are and to take responsibility for meeting them. Now, sorry, I just want to pause on, I just want to take responsibility, mm-hmm. take responsibility, two words. Mm-hmm. And these words, and I, I'm glad you said take responsibility. People seem to confuse responsibility with blame. Yes. And what I have found is when I move from blaming somebody else to taking responsibility for my actions, I can then start to scan and see the themes and gather information rather than respond to what I think, which is based on my ego self. Damn. More of us need to be doing it. And do you know what I, I say to people as well? When you take responsibility and you feel those feelings that come with it, a lot of them are really unpleasant. Guess what? You're not going to die. Yeah, you, you, that's why you find out that, you know, your pain doesn't kill you. you. You know, as a child, you believe that your pain is going to kill you. And that's why you shut yourself off from it. You feel as a child, because the child got, you know, a big imagination. It feels like things are going to go on forever. You know, when you're traveling to a destination, when you're young, it took like for five hours. It felt <laughs> like, but then as an adult, that's like one hour. Yeah. And so everything gets distorted or, or, or magnified. And so, you know, as a child, you feel like your pain, you, you, you it's just going to go on forever and ever. So that's why people then grow up to fear their pain and not knowing that as an adult, you can easily learn how to manage your big painful feelings um, through um, being present with that, being bringing through compassion, understanding and kindness to those feelings and then allowing those feelings to move through you. And so... so um, Allowing those feelings to move through you. Yeah. Not holding on, remunerating, obsessing, overthinking, going down a spiral, allowing those feelings to move through you. Victor, what are some of the ways in which you support people to allow those feelings to move through them? So one of the, one of the ways in which there, there are two types of feelings that I, I make distinction of. One is um, the feet of our wounded feelings that come from our wounded behavior. So um, what I mean by this is anytime that we're judging ourselves, anytime that we're um, uh, ignoring our feelings, anytime we're giving ourselves up, anytime we're abandoning ourselves, basically, and we're not loving ourselves, then we're going to create feelings of anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, um, uh, rage, uh, any type of feeling, envy, jealousy. And, you know, and that's, uh, those feelings let us know that there's some way in which we're treating ourselves or some way in which we're talking to ourselves, that, which is based on false beliefs, based on lies that are creating 
these feelings and then our feelings become very good informational guidance system to let us know when we're off track in our thinking or when we're not and so when we're feeling these feelings i help my client to go inside and say well what am i doing or what am i saying or, or not saying or what am i doing or not doing that's causing these feelings and then once um we're clear on what that behavior is and then the false belief that's driving that behavior then we can go and access the truth about that false belief that's driving this behavior that's causing the wounded feelings and then we can um find the truth and take and find the loving action that heals that false belief so that that um, then we can return back to a place of peace a, a place of um, in equilibrium a place of wholeness a place of healing um so that's one side, the feelings that we cause. Then there's the feelings, which are the painful feelings, core painful feelings of life, which are existential. We're going to feel these just by being a participant on earth. And it's not that we cause them. This is just by being it's life situations or by other people. And these types of feelings are um, lone, uh, uh, loneliness um, around others. Um, it could be helplessness over other people because we... We are helpless over other people. People, we all have free will. We can't control our person, another person's free will. And so this is a, a big painful feeling to feel is the helplessness over others. And, pe- and people refuse to feel that and they start trying to control, making things happen and trying to get their needs met through control. Uh, and, and then they end up not loving themselves because they're, they're so focused on are not accepting their deep lack of control over other people's choices and behavior. Mm. Um, the other one is heartbreak and heartache. You know, we're all gonna, we're going to feel these big painful feelings. Uh, whether somebody's treating us unlovingly, we're going to feel heartbreak at that. Or there's many things in life that causes our heart to break. If our heart is open and we are tuned into our heart, we will feel these things. Sometimes what people tend to do is they feel heartbreak or lonely and they cut cut them shut that down because they mm-hmm. oh, that's too painful mm-hmm. and then immediately move into a controlling or avoidant behavior you, which is designed to protect you from feeling that and so that when you're when you're not feeling your pain when you're in your controlling behavior you're keeping that feeling stuck in your in the energy system and so what <coughs> i do with those types of feelings i help my clients just to go inside where that part of them is feeling that helplessness, where that part of them, that helplessness over others, where that part of them is feeling their heartbreak. And I help them go inside and just to be with that part of them, bringing through compassion, bringing through understanding, bringing through love, um, creating a safe space for that feeling, to witness it, to acknowledge it. And then it starts to morph, it starts to break free and starts then to move through through us um, just by uh, uh, just by bringing a loving presence to mm-hmm. them. Um, a lot of the times when we had those emotions uh, and those feelings when we were a child, there was no one with us. We was feeling Oh, like it was, don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Oh, you're a big yeah. girl. That's okay. Let exactly. me rub it better. Stop yeah. that now. Exactly. And I just, I, I, I see that. And I know that they're um, like sometimes, like, Sometimes I would be around people, my daughter would hurt herself and they would consider me to be really indulgent because Mm -hmm. I wasn't automatically saying, stop crying, you're fine. Because I know how from social work, I know how the 
that's okay. You're strong. Pull yourself together. I'm not feeling that. I just want to get better. I just want to get past this, how it manifests. And I'm thinking now about what you're saying and things that I've read about the immune system, about the number of people that are diagnosed with adult asthma. Now I Mm -hmm. am fully aware that our environment has a lot to do with adult asthma. But there's a lot of adult asthma that are allergies. And I know that we have more allergens in our environment and all the rest of it. But equally, I think it's psychosomatic. And Mm -hmm. if you think about the way that sort of like the old parenting paradigm was about shutting down emotions so that you could be strong, so that you could be logical, because logic was the way. Shutting down those feelings, I know for sure You cannot tell me a damn thing. I know that my internalizing emotions, shutting down emotions and ignoring things manifested as immune system suppression. So I've got issues upon issues with my immune system. The biomedical model hasn't been able to pinpoint anything with regards to this. I know exactly why. I shared with you that I've had a bereavement very a shock one immediately my sinuses are on fire and I have what feels like toothache but I know it's my sinus my emotions live in my sinuses Mm -hmm. so I think it's really really important for us to know that those big feelings that we're avoiding it's like we've gone into so you know I love a bit of neuroscience and was reading Mm -hmm. about how our brains develop from back to front Mm -hmm. so our um, conscious mind is the last part Mm So when, as in in childhood, when we're living in our limbic system, it's all about the fight or flight, and we have these really visceral reactions, Mm -hmm. um, joy, distress, all the rest of it. If we learn very quickly to shut those things down, it doesn't mean that they're not in our lives because we're not acknowledging them. So where else are they going to go apart from ourselves and our behavior and and all of that i'm sure that half of the gluten intolerance and all of that kind of stuff okay yeah food has changed and they're putting a lot more stuff in but as i was saying earlier on about holistic and integration there has been an integrated approach to suppressing our humanity whether it's processed food whether Mm -hmm. it is processed feelings and I don't mean process as in we've brought conscious awareness I mean treating our feelings like a conveyor belt chucking away the things we don't want but we're not chucking them we're keeping them carried in our in our in our love oh my gosh we're keeping it we're keeping it in our love (laughs) we're distorting our love with it yes yes absolutely and and a lot of times people 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 are, are trying to cut out half of their experience. So if they have these um, painful feelings, they want to get rid of them. And so they, they try to cut them out and put a lid on their heart. But, but our feelings, our joyful ones and our painful ones come from the same place, which is the heart. And when you block the painful ones, you're also blocking your joy because it's, there's no outlet for it. So... This is why this man had to be the first man, okay? (laughs) Because we cannot, we're not sophisticated enough to say we're going to suppress our feelings, but only the bad ones. If we're suppressing feelings. And that is why 360 is called 360. Because when I was having my existential crisis and I was having my, you know, what is it? The the dark night of the soul or whatever. Mm. I was like, oh my goodness. The issue is that I had been living in 180 degrees. 
Mm-hmm. I have shut off the other 180 degrees because I'm fearing it. And once I started to peek behind the curtain I had drawn across the 180, I started to see, that's why I say to people all the time when I'm saying things like shit is fertilizer and all of that, mm-hmm. the same place that I was fearful of is the same place that my joy lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when my dad would say things like me to me, like, tell me you have to be serious, your head is full of play. Mm-hmm. I made that play become a shadow, but that play is also my source of joy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And something that struck, and I've quoted you so many times, mm-hmm. in that relationship talk that um, with, with Inspirational You, you were talking about relationships being a source of fun and play. Yes. That great. one dropped, boom. Great, great. So, um, yes. So there, there, there are two main reasons why people go into relationships. And if you're doing the first one, you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. Uh, and that first reason is, if you're, and I alluded to it earlier, if you're going into a relationship in order to get love, what I mean by that is you're going into a relationship to be validated. You're going into a relationship to, um, to get your sense of lovability there to get your sense of worthiness from the relationship to get your sense of happiness uh, 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 from the relationship um, um, to make somebody else responsible for making you feel okay if that is your driver for getting into a relationship you are abandoning yourself to the other person to take responsibility for giving you the love that you're not giving to yourself and that means you're going to be trying to control them because if you believe that your love is outside of you and it's in them then you've got to come up with ways to try and control getting that love from them and that's what creates the um um the pulling away from people or or the creates the disconnection in relationship is because no one wants to go into a relationship and wants to feel like they're being controlled Mm -hmm. and we've all learned you can be overtly controlling with anger blaming um uh uh, um, and all sorts, or you can be covertly um, controlling, right? Being compliant, giving up your people pleasing, people pleasing, and so those things are going on. And so um, this creates um, doesn't create a loving relationship because your heart is closed, and love needs to flow through an open heart. If your focus is on getting love, controlling love, then your heart is closed. Okay, you've got so to be a conduit. You got to be a conduit of that love. The second reason why you then, because then, then people, what people then ask me, well, Victor, if this is, um, so if I can meet, get, take care of myself and love myself and meet all my needs, then why do I need a relationship then? That, you know, what's the point of having a relationship? Well, the relationship isn't meant for that first reason, that first reason, which I said. The relationship, you go into a relationship, if your intention is to um, go into a relationship to learn with each other, to grow with each other, to play with each other, to have each other's back. That's what you have a relationship for, to support each other's highest good, to, to, have, to have companionship and to play and to, and to create together. These are reasons to go into relationships. That's real socialization. Going there to be validated. These are things that you have to take responsibility for and not make your partner responsible for. And so then when you go into a relationship because you have love to share, because once you're taking care of those things inside, you're filling your heart up with love, and then you have love that you want to share with your partner. So, uh, uh, and I, I, I think it was Tony Robbins that said something like, "You know, relationships are wonderful places to go um, to learn play, but they're, but they're very bad places to go in order to get things." Yeah. 
So this is making me think about um, something that I um, come across quite a bit is people that, whether they are single or they're in long-term relationships, feeling um, claustrophobic within their relationship. So now I'm wondering, or, um, you know, that feeling of, of claustrophobia is that you are unable to give yourself love. So somebody giving you love, especially when it's coming via controlling means, feels like prison. Say that again. (laughs) So you feel like relationships are are claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. It cramps your style. Yeah. Yeah. You then... Okay, yeah. Yeah? So if someone's feeling claustrophobic, again, it's touching into two fears. There's, there's two major fears when it comes to um, relationships. Um, one of the first fear of that is the fear of, um, of rejection, the fear of losing love. I'm going to go, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to get into this relationship and they're going to see who I am and they get close and they'll notice and see all my flaws and then they reject me. Or, or there's a fear of losing love of some kind, losing favour, losing approval. Um, the other fear is the fear of engulfment, the fear of being controlled, the fear of being smothered, the fear of being invaded in a relationship. And, and again, these fears stem from childhood uh, and they're, they're based in that. So if you are feeling claustrophobic in a relationship, if you are feeling um, uh, that, you're, that you're, you're feeling that way, there's two things that could be happening. One is that you're responding to someone's wanting to control you uh, um, there, and and it also coming from your own fear of rejection underneath your fear of engulfment. Because if you truly, um, if you weren't afraid of losing love because you were loving yourself, then you would exert and speak your truth in a relationship. You would say what you can take and what you can't take, what you need and what you don't want in a particular moment. And you wouldn't fear the rejection of others because you wouldn't be rejecting yourself. And so because you do fear that, then you will feel smothered and claustrophobic because you're going to just give in and allow that person to keep requesting and demanding on you. So it's it's, it's the protection that then becomes a prison. Yes, yes. So they're trapped. Um, So when I... So I, I want to speak to some other people and, and, and see what comes up for them when I say to them that I'm going to be speaking for somebody that has expertise in relationships. Something um, that came up and something that I've observed is that um, I'm seeing, and, and I don't know if this is true in a lot of spaces, but I am seeing and experiencing a lot of women who are very curious about themselves and they understand that the way they are living is causing them discord and need to do something about it, or they've already understood that and are doing something about it. So they are um, engaging in personal development, whether it's coaching, therapy, going to retreats, courses, all the rest of it, and their partner is not. And then they then become frustrated by their partner not growing. On the, how, can, how can 
people in that situation kind of ameliorate those feelings because they're not saying oh I want to leave my partner because he's not growing and I am and sometimes there is a little bit of self-righteousness in there like I'm doing all this work and he um but they're becoming a different person so the person that they got together with 10-15 years ago we all grow and change but then they are changing exponentially because they're doing all of this work how can people either make peace with the fact that they are on their journey and their partner's on a different one or with love and compassion invite their partner along with them great question and i see it often um so one of the things that people have to have to do is recognize their deep lack of control over their partner their deep lack of control of the partner to, and then to embrace their helplessness over their partner's choice to be open or closed to the idea of growth or to wow, be. Wow, yeah. I felt that one in my womb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the resistance to that acceptance and the resistance to embracing one's helplessness over another person's choice that keeps them in their frustration, keeps them in their, their angst, keeps them um, saddened. Um, we're all on our own journey. We're all on our own path. My friend, um, mind your business. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a difference between control, yeah, trying to kind of control, and it's about intent. It's about intent. If you are trying to, if your intention is to try and get your partner to change, to be different than what they are, and not accepting who they are, then that's going to create problems in the relationship. So it's about acceptance of who they are, where they're at on their journey. Mm. Then then it comes to influence. You have the power to influence them to maybe be a catalyst to their own growth by you doing your own inner work. Mm -hmm. By you doing your own inner work and by you growing and by you evolving yourself, then one of two things are going to happen. Their partner is going to be like, oh, wow, I love the changes in you. I love what I'm seeing and get curious. And then they'll be inspired to do their own work. Or they're not going to um, be inspired. And then at that point, you will know what you need to do in the relationship, whether you want to accept it as it is and meet your needs elsewhere in other types of capacities, or um, you're going to move on from the relationship. Basically. Something else that um, has, has, um, was shared with me was about people wanting to get out of a habit of um, arguments becoming disagreements, discussion, arguments, 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 <laughs> arguments becoming a place where it's one-upmanship. Right. So other things start to creep inside that argument and then it becomes about who's right or wrong in the argument and that one struck out for me because um, I can't remember what it was I was reading and um, it said something along the lines of you need to decide it was one of those profound moments when I was all in my feelings about being right and um, I just came across something and it was talking about you need to decide whether or not it's more important for you to be right or for there to be peace and it wasn't talking about mugging yourself off by keeping quiet accepting things that are blatantly wrong but it was talking about is your need to be right in this moment more than the relationship or the situation as a whole. Mm. 
So um, the the question, uh, the, the, the thing came up about how to be able to discuss your way through things rather than being stuck on, but I'm right and I was right the last time and you don't listen to me, that's why this happens. And that's why in 2005, this happened. 2015, it's happened. Big, big 2020. You want this to happen again. How do people move away from your team versus my team to our team? Let's find a solution. Well, that's it. It comes from, it comes from the intention. When you step into a dialogue with somebody, it's your intention to be right, which is coming from your own wound of that by being right, it makes me, um, it validates me in some way, possibly. Ooh. Yeah. If, why, so, so the question to ask is, why is it so important that you be right? What is it, what need is it meeting in you to be right? Um, because they're trying to make, meet that need externally through being right. Yeah. And so if you can go inside and here it is. You want to be, take responsibility for defining yourself, to de- defining your own self-worth and your own lovability. Because sometimes I may be saying, if I'm not right, then I'm, then I'm not lovable. Or I'm, um, if I'm not right in this place, there's something wrong with me. There are many reasons why people need to be right because it gives them a sense of, uh, a sense of self in some way. So if you are taking care of that and healing that already, then you don't need to step into a dialogue in order to be right because your self-worth isn't on the line. And so you can be allow people to have their viewpoint and you have yours and they're not being in agreement and it doesn't affect who you are. You don't have to do that. Another one is, again, you've got to release your desire to have control because being right is about being control. It's that I need you to agree with me. I need you to see that your way is wrong and my way is right so that I can be okay. I need you to see that you are wrong and I am right so that I can be okay. Again, it's making other people responsible for our feelings. And so um, when you are resolving that, then you won't be needing to go into relationships to be right. You can, uh, you can just have an open discussion. And so this comes again to the next, to the point of having a dialogue. You're going in there with the desire or the intent to learn, to learn uh, about what there is to learn between what you are discussing. And, and only when you have the intention to learn about things can you move forward and then does it become a sense of weeness, togetherness, looking at the issue. When we look at, well, why is that important to you? I'm curious about that. And then they want to hear about, well, why is it important to you? I'm curious about that. Okay, let's look about how we can meet these needs in a way that also satisfies your needs if possible. Or sometimes when people hear the needs of each other, they can let go of, of it being a particular way and shift and see that, oh, it makes sense um, because we're no longer trying to dig our heels in on our position. Mm-hmm. We're now looking for what, is, what serves us, what is in the highest good for both of us to, uh, as, a, as a way forward. So um, just to reiterate, again, it's, not a, it's about um, defining your own worth and, and taking the time to practice defining your own worth. That it's not, it's not, doesn't come from externals. It doesn't come from the need to mm. be right or for someone to see you as right. 
It's not from your husband, your partner, your girlfriend, whomever. It's from you. It's making me think about um, Brene Brown when she talks about um, when she uh, needs to to check herself. She says, um, the story I'm telling myself is. So she's accepting that she's telling herself a story. And I think in the context that you're speaking of here, another thing that is quite, um, that could be a good checker is something along the lines of, this is not the space in which to get my childhood needs met. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That this is not the space in order to where, where I get my childhood needs met. Yeah. You know? um, again, it's like we just have to take responsibility for, for our own self-worth. And that is, so when I talk about um, inner child work, soothing the inner child and all of that kind of stuff, externalizing your feelings and giving other people responsibility for your feelings is very immature that's very childlike that is um the way that children are we need um adults to give us that containment that sense of safety and sometimes that hasn't happened as an adult it is our job to be mature take responsibility and give ourselves that sense of containment, that sense of safety. And we're not going to do that by chastising ourselves and telling ourselves off. We're going to do that as you were talking about with the compassion with it. So I was, I was, um, I shared a post because people uh, in the new year, people talking about the new year, new me, well, not necessarily new year, new me, talking about new year, talking about um, hopes, dreams, aspirations, intentions, moving forward. And I just invited people to forgive themselves, to to look at the things that they needed to forgive and make peace with and do that first. Because what I have experienced, whether it was when I was a social worker or whether it is um, uh, as as a life coach and having a membership space, when we don't forgive ourselves and make peace, with what was there first it's like when people think they're just going to move to a fresh a new area and that's going to give them a fresh start you're taking all of that with you absolutely when you forgive you 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 don't get rid of it but you contextualize it and you contain it not suppress it safely and you give it its position and it takes up a smaller space so then you have a larger space that you can then fill with all of this loveliness and this growth stuff. It's, it's not hiding or abandoning because our, um, the things that we celebrate and the things that make us wince, they're all part of the tapestry that makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. We can't just cut off what happened in 1987, it lives in us somewhere, but it's about contextualizing it and taking responsibility for it rather than suppressing it, not consciously knowing it's there and subconsciously manipulating somebody to meet a need that we don't quite understand because we focused all of our energy on suppressing it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something you said there, which made me think about you know, when you said you, you take all that stuff with you, um, in, in the in the in the form of relationships, is uh, people people come together and often come together with this expectation, or the, well, they come together with the desire to get love from their partner, and so they come with the expectation 
of this person's going to make me feel loved, make me feel lovable and take care of my needs. And the other person's doing that. So they're abandoning their own inner child, their own inner feelings to each other to be responsible for taking care of them. And then they get disappointed when this other person isn't behaving in the way that they think they should or saying the things that they think they should to make them feel happy, loved and whole and, and, hmm. and lovable. And so then what happens is they think, oh, well, you didn't do that job right. And then maybe they, maybe I've chosen... And I them. did this for you and I did that <laughs> and this and that. Absolutely. And, so they, and they think, well, maybe I've chosen the wrong person then. And so then they, they rubbish that relationship, then they can move on, and then they find somebody else and they create the same dynamic. Mm. They cut that off and think that didn't work, they're not meeting my needs, and, and go on and find another person. The thing is, people think that just by getting rid of somebody else, swapping someone else out, they're going to find someone that is going to love them right. And it's just not true. You're taking your same beliefs and your same patterns with you to the next relationship and not before long you're going to create the same underlying issues that result from your own self-abandonment and then you're going to keep on thinking you're choosing the wrong partners when really no it's you not going inside and um, learning to how to love yourself and to validate yourself and to define yourself and to find out the truth about behavior the false beliefs that are driving your wounded behavior unless you're doing that then um, what's going to happen is you're going to keep on repeating the same dynamic, the same cycle. So you become the common denominator. You you're saying the it's this denominator. men are trash, women ain't shit. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, you're what what came what came to mind as you were talking is that when you're coming from that position of lack, two voids come together to create a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. So. So definitely, you're, you're two people coming from two empty spaces. You're empty on the inside, mm-hmm. wanting to be filled externally. She's empty or he's empty on the inside, wanting to be filled externally. And so you end up pulling on each other to fill the emptiness. And, and there's nothing to pull on. There's nothing to pull on because there's no love to share. You're just controlling. And so this is what creates the codependent relationship as well. Yeah. Where um, you're trying to get your needs met externally and your sense of okayness externally rather than take responsibility for doing that yourself. This uh, is why so many people are hooked onto lust and mistake lust for love. And then when we come to the depths of the love now, they haven't got it because they've come from this void and think that all of these honeymoon period feelings are it. And that's not it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and again, this is not for us to go and start judging the ways in which we're showing up in relationship because when we're judging ourselves, we're not learning. And so we need to bring compassion and say that there are very good reasons why we behave the way that we do in relationship. And then with that mind frame, we can go inside and explore the false beliefs that are driving the ways in which we're acting in relationships that work against get, bringing us the type of relationship wholeness, fullness experience that we, that we desire. So... Um, so yeah, it's all about learning. It's about learning. It's about that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, learning yeah. with ourselves first. Yeah, and learning with each other. Yeah, and um, I think it was in um, 2018. I vowed that I would transition from being a know-it-all to a learn-it-all, and not in a way whereby I was now telling myself I don't know anything, but I was just really open to challenging everything I thought I knew Mm -hmm. because the two and two wasn't adding up to four. (laughs) It, It really, really wasn't. 
Victor, I could literally go on and on and on and on and on, but mm, that would be really selfish <laughs> and uh, indulgent. Um, I, I think that this is enough. Um, but I think I will, I will have to invite you back at some oh, point in time so that we to. can go deeper into, um, so, d- deeper into the, the, the theme of self-abandonment. Because yeah. when I read that amongst your text, I was like, ooh, child, this is something, this is something big. This is something that requires real depth and time Mm -hmm. and I think we have gone to lots of places I think this is going to be really helpful for lots of people but before we go um I would like to ask you if there are any books resources any or anything that you have that would be of use to people whose curiosity has been piqued with this conversation well yeah I'm um I'm certified uh, in a bonding facilitator Sorry, um, it, the signal went funny. You're a certified... Certified in a bonding facilitator. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, going to um, check out in a bonding, um, I yeah, wish, yeah, uh, in a bonding, um, there's a, 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 any other type of inner child healing work uh, that resonates with you, um, the holistic psychologist is very good at that sort of stuff. She's on uh, Instagram as the dot holistic dot psychologist. Checking her out. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's love for no reason. There's a book out there. These these are good. Do you have any workshops or anything like that coming up? Yes, I have. I actually have an in abundant workshop coming up. Um, it's a two day experience. And we go deep into um, how to create healthy bonds inside of ourselves so that we can come from a whole integrated connected space and we can share love with our, with our partners, with ourselves first and with our partners mm-hmm. and, uh, and with anybody really. Um, it's about how to you know, really move into a place of peace, to, to, to heal anxiety, stress, depression, and to... Um, really develop this adult part of us that can take care of us uh, in a way that we weren't able, to, we weren't taking care of in the past. And mm-hmm. How to do that now, um, and how to really improve your relationships, like amazingly. Yeah. When is that? So that is happening in the next few weeks. I'm just locking down a venue at the moment. Okay. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, just stay connected to me, and they'll get all the details. And where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, just connect with me there. That's where I'm very prolific and anything new is coming out, you can get it there. And is that at Victor Granville? Yeah, Victor, Victor, dot Granville. Is that dot, dot? Don't worry, I will make sure that there are links (laughs) in the show notes. And when you have the date for your workshop, please do let me know and I'll update the show notes with that um, in there. Um, And before we part, Victor Granville, what does everyday joy mean to you? Wow, what a beautiful question. Mm. Everyday joy means to me to be present in my body, mindfully aware of what mm. I'm feeling, um, that so that I know that anytime I'm not feeling full, fullness on the inside, then and that that's, and I don't feel my joy, 
then because I'm present, I can attend to my feelings and to find out what's blocking my joy and so that I can attend to it and take loving actions that can allow me to express that natural joy, that authentic joy inside. So for mm-hmm. me, it's about being mindfully mm-hmm. present. <laughs> delicious Victor I thank you so much for your time I know that this is going to be of service to loads of people um, and I look forward to catching up with you for part two of this conversation thank you so much Tamu such a joy being with you brilliant thank you so much take care take care Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.